Hey, it's Andrew, and I want to thank all of you for listening and supporting the show. We'd love it if you'd take a moment to leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe. The link is in our show notes. In return, we'll shout you out on the podcast. And if you give us your Instagram handle, we'll link to you on our social media as a token of our gratitude. This week's review comes from Tiny Bubbles 6 I love this podcast. Enough so, when it didn't show up in my queue all of a sudden, believe there was a name change, I went searching for it. I started listening after I took a yoga class from Andrew. Andrew is a very interesting fellow and does an exceptional job of interviewing his guests. It's obvious he is uber prepared, knows a lot about the guests he hosts, and asks truly unique questions. He has an act for finding something in common with them and imparts a wealth of knowledge along the way. Love his wife Mary, who is a good yin for his yang. Very articulate, funny, and full of down-to-earth insights and skills. Easy to listen to this podcast. Beware, it grows on you. Thank you so much for that review. Always appreciate all of your support. If you would like to leave a review, we would like that too. (laughs) Subscribe as well on our iTunes channel. Good morning, afternoon, and good evening to our listeners around the world. We have breaking news concerning a suspected act of compassion. We're still gathering information as it comes in, but the individual is also accused of inspiring large groups of people, being open-minded, committing acts of kindness, and displaying signs of authenticity. Stay tuned as we give you all the breaking details on your source for all the news that matters. Yoga Talk Pod with Andrew Gordon. Wow, we, what a special episode we have in store for you today. It is Andrew, and I am conversing with a friend and a guest of the show, Shelby Schlang from the Living Over Losing podcast. And this is going to air the same on the Yoga Talk pod and Living Over Losing with Shelby. And we're just having a conversation that will function as a two-for-one podcast. (laughs) Yes, I'm so excited. I can't wait. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we should let people know that we do know each other. And because you were generous enough, I, I like to bring this up. You were generous enough to come on the podcast that I had, which is the same one, but it was called the Yoga Movie Podcast, the first season. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think we were in like our sixth episode and nobody really knew of the show the way they do now. And I reached out to you because I really thought that you had, I mean, you, you have good, like great pictures and I thought it was interesting what you were doing, but then I started reading some of what you were writing mm-hmm. and I recognized this change you were going through, um, which continued to evolve. And I was like, all right, it doesn't matter to me if someone really practices yoga as their main thing. That's not really what the show is to me, the yoga talk about. It's about people in life. And when I had you on, you really... Delivered, and when I say delivered, it's not like tap dancing and having to be a circus monkey. It's about just being open and honest with with, with your story. And 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 I respect people's boundaries. I, I've never aired anything that anyone asked me not to air. And quite honestly, it's only happened once, and it was to protect someone else, not even the person who I was interviewing. So, uh, that being said, you ended up being so good in the podcast that you launched your own podcast, and I help with I that. Yeah, I help edit your, your podcast uh, with the service I have, Podcast Panacea, and I'm proud of that because you are a rock star. You picked up – people think that interviewing is not something that takes skill or some sort of talent or it's just easy, but when it's done well, it appears that way. When, it, when it's done not so well, you 
can pick up on that, that the interview is boring. But if an interview is interesting, which yours are, all your episodes have been wonderful. Thank uh, you. So, you know, I know we're talking to your audience too, and you're welcome. But I encourage, you know, my audience to check out your show as well, because it kind of is like, not exactly a sister show to what we're doing, but it's certainly a, along the same world of fitness and lifestyle and, you know, being yeah, well. Just keeping it real, kind of. Yes, yeah, and I, I respect that because you are very authentic on your show and raw and real with your guests. And you come from a world that is, and this is one thing I loved about what you were doing is that, I'm going to preface this, but I'm not knocking great pictures and, mm-hmm. fil- and, fil- and, and filters and the selling uh, of merchandise through lovely images and people that look wonderful. There's nothing wrong with that. We've been doing it forever uh, in capitalism and in advertising. There's nothing wrong with that. But you were really coming out early on. Now it seems like everybody is trying to be like, I'm authentic and I keep it real. It's no makeup Mondays. You know, like mm-hmm. you, you were, you're going to like probably be humble and not say this, but I think you were one of the forefront people that I noticed that were really coming out and saying, because you did it for yourself. Yeah, I was doing it for myself. It was kind of like a healing process for myself. Um, That was just the way... I mean, that's why I started my blog in the first place. And then the social media kind of transformed from like fitness, only fitness. This is like the new diet. This is the new workout to kind of just like more transparent. Yeah. Um, But that, yeah, that was really just to help myself, honestly. I mean, of course, I wanted to help other people too, but that was a big part of it. I think that there's nothing abnormal about launching into a podcast or launching into a media presence, even social media presence and being an influencer or an ambassador or having your own page and reaching your audience and doing it because in some way, shape or form, it's therapeutic for yourself. In fact, I think for many people who have shows or have a brand, it is therapy. I'll admit it. I love talking about things that I just wonder about. I'm curious. And, mm-hmm. you know, getting feedback from people or just the guests that I'm interviewing, there is some sort of catharsis or it's very ther- therapeutic and educational. Yeah. And it helps to listen to other, like not even just talking yourself, but listening to other podcasts too helped me a lot. Absolutely. And you were actually one of the people that turned me on to the fact of how much podcasts can help people because I wasn't really a podcast listener before I got into podcasts. I was a radio guy. And my stories, I came into the podcasting world through a friend that practices yoga, has a podcast, asked me to be on. I was like, oh, well, and then I started immersing myself in the podcast world. And realizing how big they are and how helpful they are for, for people. If you, and you can find anything you want to listen to. And there's some really great ones, uh, depending on what your tastes are and what your interests are. So we do have a reason why we're doing this double <laughs> podcast, more than the fact that I do enjoy connecting with you. But w- there is a reason. And it has to do with major life events, major life changes, and how we deal with those. And I will just lay the foundation before I throw it to you that you are always in recovery. We never are fully recovered. Like that's whatever it is. There's always a chance that you could slip back. Right. You recovered. And for me, it's recovering from, I mean, how much time you got. But I will say, you know, sometimes these major life events, like it could be a, a death. It could be a loss of employment. It could be the ending of a relationship or a move major events, those could go two different ways. 
they could go in the way that inspire you to really hunker down and stick with the opposite of addiction and whatever that is for whoever's listening and you, you know, whether it's exercise, drugs, alcohol, Mm -hmm. there's addictions of all kinds. So you get the point. Okay. But it could go in the sense that these major changes that you're going through, you could really become even more connected with your wellness. What got you out of the addiction from the past before this major thing came and took you by surprise or you knew it was coming or it could work the opposite way where you fall back into the addictive and bad behaviors. So I'm just curious, you just went through or you're going through one of the things in life that's a tough situation and that's when relationships come to an end. It's never easy on both parts, uh, uh, people involved in a relationship. How has the process been in terms of those two different sides you could lean towards, like going towards the side of grasping hold and hugging your wellness harder and stronger or the potential slip? And if you slipped, have you? So I think with any like big life change, and I, and it's funny because I was talking to my friend about this and she said, you know, once you kind of get over this, it's, there's, it's always going to be something that's going to be changing or something that's challenging. And I think for a long time, just regardless of challenges in general, I kind of didn't want to face them at all. So I would distract myself and that's where it came in, like exercising and eating disorders and stuff. That was kind of like the distraction. So I didn't have to think about anything else that was wrong or could be wrong. And that through recovering and through, I would say like the past year of just learning kind of more about myself that became really apparent. So I'm very aware of it. And I think before I wasn't aware of it. So for example, it all started when I started going to college. Um, and I just didn't know like what I wanted to do. I had no idea. I was kind of in a place where I just wasn't happy at all. And instead of knowing how to deal with that, it just kind of like transformed into into this huge spiral of an eating disorder and that was a distraction. Um, And I wasn't aware of that. I just, I mean, if you were to ask me at the time, like, why do you have this problem? I would have just said, oh, I just really want to be skinny. Like that really wasn't it. Like that, but you know, I just wasn't even conscious of what the actual problem was. So I think that through everything, just being aware of what is wrong is so important. And I think, and I'm not trying to say that there was anything necessarily wrong or my relationship was wrong. But I think that sometimes we kind of put ourselves into these like normal quote unquote situations where we feel like that's the way that life is supposed to be. And that's the way that life is because it's scary to change something. Um, And it's really scary to change something, whether that be a school or a relationship or anything, you know, whether it's a job, it doesn't really matter. It's really scary to make a change because you don't know what's going to happen. And I feel like I'm not answering the question, but (laughs) I'm just going to keep talking. Um, No, keep going. I think, (laughs) I think you did answer it. And you're also um, offering valuable insight into the question after answering it. So keep going, please. It's just, I think, like I said, we, aren't aware sometimes of, of what's wrong because either we don't want to face it or for some reason we're just not even conscious of it. So that can take on different forms. And I know that that has happened to me in the past. So I didn't want that to happen this time. Um, and of course it's hard. Like it's easier to not think about it, right? And it's it's terrible to 
to overexercise and to be counting calories like crazy and doing all these things. And that seems really hard, but it's actually easier to do that than to actually deal with what's wrong. Um, so it is always tempting, I think, for anyone with any kind of addiction to want to just go back to that because it, it is easier and it's something that you know and you know it's not as scary. Um, and I think that this whole process is really scary and it's, I don't know, it's just like you have to trust yourself. I've re- I'm really learning to trust myself and if you know something is wrong or if you know that you could be happier, then it's almost like you're just going to stay in this spiral, the situation of kind of unhappiness or kind of content forever. And I just didn't want that. <laughs> can, I, can I ask you a question? Yeah. I really don't know. Were you one of those people throughout even maybe high school and then into college where you always had a boyfriend? Yes. And I think that too kind of has to do with, I didn't have a lot of confidence in myself. And so I think that it helped me to like have a boyfriend to, to kind of give me confidence, which is really not the right answer. But that's how I think I dealt with it. And I mean, and, and there was other factors too and other ways that I did that. It wasn't just having boyfriends, but sure. yeah, I would think I was scared kind of like to face myself. Yeah. Which is, yeah. Which is which is really sad, but I think it, a lot of people are in that, um, are in that situation. And um, now though, that I feel like, I feel like my relationships from here on out are just going to be so much better for both people involved. Because at the same time, if I'm not completely happy, like how am I really supposed to make someone else happy? I, I can't, I can't, so true. Really be there for them either. So it's not fair either way. I think that once you kind of like come to terms with yourself and really understand yourself, it's so much easier. And I think you attract people that are like I, before I was really self-conscious. So maybe I attracted the wrong type of person. But now when you're when you're really like your true authentic self, which sounds, you know, kind of cheesy, but it's true. I think you attract people that like really are into your actual self <laughs> you know what I, I mean? agree i agree i mean our vibe attracts our tribe we see that thing posted all the time but it's, it is true you know what we put out comes back to us and the reason i asked you about having a, a boyfriend or a partner you know all the way back through high school is because that would mean as far as i know this would be the first time that technically you were kind of walking out alone, which is frightening if you are a person who has always been in the relationships. So I had to really work on that and like really get to know myself. And I mean, I think it's different for everyone. Like I hear a lot of people say yoga helps them a lot, kind of like channel them like back into themselves. And it and yoga was helpful walking outside with my dog and listening to podcasts. I mean, this is why I started a podcast because I just think that it really changed my life. And just knowing that like I wasn't alone, that's so helpful knowing that other people feel that way too. Cause sometimes I think we judge ourselves and think where there's something wrong with us or whatever the case may be. So I think that going through that process just made everything so much more clear. Like what do I want in life? Where am I going in life? And at the same time, like I said before, it's not just, I didn't want it to just all be about me. Like if I'm not the best version of myself and if I'm not doing the things to be the best version of myself, there's no way that I can give the best version of myself to someone else. And that's not fair either. I really think that it all comes down to being okay with yourself. And I have struggled with that forever. And I think it's interesting because when I've had serious breakups, 
I'm kind of like, I need attention from people. And <laughs> I think that's really common. And that's kind of like sad to say, yeah. like, I need people to give me attention and tell me I'm great. And that's just because I just felt like shit about myself, honestly. Yeah. And, but it's different when you don't feel that way. It is so different. And it's, I mean, then that's easier said than done. It's not like you just wake up one morning and you're like, yes, I love myself. Life is great. It's a serious process. And like we said before, it's always evolving and continuing. And do I still have work to do on it? Yes. You know, it's amazing because the time that I went into yoga teacher's training was right after I went through a surprising breakup. I didn't know we were going to break up. I thought I was going to marry this person. And it was before Mary, my wife now, the last girl I had ever dated. And she just broke up with me. I, I don't know, really. I didn't see it coming. And it took me by surprise. And it sucked. And that's when I said what you're saying. Like, I truly had found a better version of myself when I was with her. And then after... I decided to do yoga teacher training. And that's when I really, this is just my story, you know, when yoga became something more for me than it was, and it was always something pretty big, but just in, in finding a better version of myself and, and my own truth and my own comfort level with myself and, and that inner self-confidence and connection that is really what you bring to whoever you come across, which is light and I ended up meeting my wife when I was in that place after yoga teacher training, I started teaching yoga. I was happy to be alone. And I said, you know, I'm not opposed to marriage. However, if I don't meet the right person, I, I don't want to be with the wrong person. So for mm -hmm. now, I am this very happy version of myself. And whether I'm teaching in the classroom or I'm teaching in the yoga studio, or I'm with my friends, I'm going to bring this very good place that I'm in right now for myself. And I'm going to emanate light and positivity, not fake positivity, but emanate light and positivity and truth because I'm happy and I'm fulfilled. And that's when I wasn't looking for the relationship. That's when I found the woman who I've been married to for over two and a half years when I wasn't looking anymore because I, I was making myself happy because that's all I had control over. Right. I think that's so important and that like just I know this isn't a relationships podcast but you can really tie that into okay. <laughs> I I think that's so important but just from like my past experiences too is and like I said I'm, I'm I think I had like a fear of being alone forever sure and so then I just if I am alone I freak out I don't know what to do and I don't know if that's because I don't know how to face myself and like then I have to kind of really like get to know myself but regardless of whatever the reason was, I was just terrified of it. So I, like I said, I would always be kind of like looking like, oh, like picturing in my head, okay, this person's good. <laughs> like it's going to work and I have to like be with them and blah, blah, blah. And just trying all of these things. And it just never, like you can't expect something to work if you're coming from a place like that. No. <laughs> and like, I, and it all kind of goes back too to like your vibe attracts your tribe. Like, if you're your real self, you're gonna attract people that like mesh with your real self, not you're desperate trying to be something to fit this mold that works for this other person. Like, that's not, and again, that's not fair to the other person because 
you're not being your authentic self. So eventually it's just not going to work. Right. Every, everything in life starts, it's as strong as its foundation and no stronger. You know, if the foundation's weak, it's that house of cards. And I missed that show, Kevin Spacey, why'd you have to do that? Um, (laughs) Anyway, I don't want to veer off too much. Uh, I I want to ask you, without getting, again, too much into details, just about how long has the relationship been over? Um, oh, that's a kind of a hard question. I, I don't know if I can give you like a specific time, but I would No, no, just a generality. I mean, I would say that on both parts, things kind of started to change probably like a year ago. And that's probably because of me, honestly, because I was changing or I was maybe not changing, but I was becoming who I really am. Yeah. Um, I I mean, I think, I think that's what changed. And, and I was kind of, I felt bad about that, but at the same time, like you can't feel bad about that because I mean, it's terrible and it hurts and it's awful and it hurts for both for both people involved, but yes. if you, if you kind of just go along with it forever, like, I think that's worse. And I don't think, and like, totally. going back to it, but I don't think it's fair to the other person either because you're not giving it your all. Like you could, both people could be happier with, with someone that's more just, I don't know, a better fit, you know? And Eventually, both people involved in situations like this do go on to find the right fit through, of course, re, you know, going through a period of, of change and some pain. But ultimately, looking back from what I've seen with friends and including myself is like, yeah, you know, it was all worth it because those other ones weren't right. And maybe I didn't know why at the, at the time, but then they're not because... They weren't. <laughs> you know, it's just, and that's what's hard is because you don't know why at the time. So you like, yeah. I want to know why. Like, I'm like, tell me my future. I need to know that. It's yeah. And you so, don't like, no one's going to tell you what's going to happen in a year, two years, three years, whatever. No one, no one's going to tell you that. So that's but, like huge leap of faith that you're taking with anything. You could, re- you could take that to eating disorder, like to des- deciding to recover. You don't know what's going to happen in a year. I remember when that was my biggest fear, when I was terrified that if I stopped doing all these crazy obsession obsessive things that oh my god what's going to happen to me because i haven't not done these things for years i don't even know what my body will do if i'm not doing these things and it's like mm. and that's why it's so hard for people to make changes in general because it's so scary well, when we stop a bad habit any habit right or when we get out of a situation anything for example if, if people that smoke cigarettes when they stop smoking cigarettes it has to be replaced with something so many times people gain weight, they replace it with food. Sometimes people replace it with healthier options, right? For in this case, in your life, you have this relationship that is no longer there. It, it ended. So what have, something has to replace that big block of your life, right? So what have you been replacing it with? I don't see, this is, this is the thing. Is like, I'm trying not to do that. And at the same time, I'm not like closed off, like no one talked to me, whatever. But it's, I'm trying not to replace it with either old habits or new habits, you know, whether it be whatever. And it, and that's hard too, because it's just like a lot of feelings a lot at, a, at once. 
And I think that that is kind of, I'm kind of getting over that. And I would even say that I would even go as far to say, like, I think I am over that. And it's, I mean, it's ridiculous to think that you could go through something so huge and not have breakdowns or serious, you know, emotions and whatever it may be. And and everything is scary and you don't know anything. And, but I'm really like trying to be aware of if I do feel like I'm doing that to kind of, and it's hard, but to kind of like check myself and be like, okay, because I know that that's not going to help in the long run. Yeah. Because I've done it so many times. So it's like, we need to learn from our mistakes here. It's about time. So I think that, yeah, I just try to keep, I try to just keep aware of that. It's interesting because oftentimes when people go through breakups, they do focus on themselves. And the thing that replaces the relationship is going back to the gym or hitting the gym or, you know, doing it self, physical, mental, spiritual work. But you have an interesting curveball in this situation, you know, because you had the eating disorder and the exercise addiction. So that route is also murky for you to dive into that as some sort of substitution. And I didn't want to make it, the question wasn't what I really wanted. It wasn't how I wanted to phrase it. It's like, I didn't want to say like, your relationship is over. So let's plug in a new thing into that spot. But I was looking more towards some of the things since you're not with, like, I'm married, right? So my life is a certain way right now, okay? There Mm -hmm. are certain times that I spend with her, certain times like now we're both working. We have a routine. Like, you know what I'm saying? Your life has changed. Like, if we, if knock on wood, but if we weren't together, my life would be totally different. And there would be new things that I... I had to figure out. So I'm not saying that you have to have it all figured out now or that you do. I wouldn't expect that. But maybe just like some sort of new processes in your day. Like what's your, how have your days changed? And that could just be spending time alone more and self-reflecting and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. And and that's, I mean, oh God. Yeah, I, I agree. So it's kind of funny because I'm kind of the opposite. I feel like I've been working out less <laughs> since... This and not yeah. not consciously like I'm not like hitting myself on the hand like don't go to the gym I sure. something it's just not like appealing to me um, I have been doing a lot of like because I found through recovering through an eating disorder that walking or outside in nature is really really helpful to me so I've been doing that a lot yeah. or spending time with friends um, and kind of like rekindling old relationships with friends and family and stuff that might have been kind of I don't know on the back burner with everything else going on. Um, and that's really helpful too, just to have like a support system. And that's, I, I mean, I would say that's probably the thing that's helped me the most. And, and I appreciate my friends and my family so much for just <laughs> listening to me over and over and over and over and over. And so it sounds, and I'm just building up of what you're saying. I, I, mm-hmm. I apologize. I'm not trying to cut you off. And I hope what I'm about to say is adding to what you are saying. I hope so. Um, if it's not, just be like, dude, you cut me off. What's up with that? <laughs> um, <laughs> I feel like you're healing your soul in your case, and you're also having a catharsis by renewing and strengthening these connections that kind of are so important to you, but you weren't intending to the way you can and are now, and that feels very good to your heart. Yeah, no, definitely, and... I mean, of course, I've I've done some things that aren't perfect, and I've probably made lots of mistakes in this in this, and I've 
hurt people and I don't want to hurt people, but I think that sometimes everyone gets hurt and it's for a better reason in the end that like we said, you just don't know right now. Um, Absolutely. And, and that's hard for me because I'm really, really not good at hurting people. Like I don't like to be the cause of someone else's pain. And so that, I mean, honestly, that's been kind of really hard in this, in this too. But some, like I said, sometimes it's necessary to just be better in the end for everyone. You know, I think that your answer in the end was great about how you're talking about that situation, about feeling bad, hurting someone else. I think if you were to really dwell on that and get sucked into that, that it's not healthy and it's not, it's also not fair to yourself because mm -hmm. in the end, we need to come from our rest place and self care, self love and really feeling happy and fulfilled is where we need to be. Whether we're with someone or not, yes, we can be with someone and have a partnership, right? But at the same time, that could be one entity, the marriage, the, the boyfriend-girlfriend relationship, the, you know, whatever the, the relationship is, but you're still two individuals. And I think that that is just as important because if all we are is in a relationship and all we're doing is thinking about the relationship, but not really nurturing ourselves, that's going to spiral into something that's unhealthy for both people. Yeah, it just won't. Exactly. And that's, it just doesn't work. It doesn't work. And no matter in what situation or who, who the two individuals are, it doesn't work because it sounds, and this is funny because one, one of my therapists said this and I think it's great. She was like selfish. The word selfish gets the worst rap ever because Okay, obviously being like super selfish is not a good thing. But if you're not being a little bit selfish and like making yourself happy, then you're just doing yourself a disservice and everyone else around you because there's no way, like you're going to, it's just never going to work and you're going to replace your happiness with something else or whatever. Like it's, sometimes you've kind of got to be a little selfish and that sounds really bad, but everyone has to, I think. You know, I agree with that. And if I just, I just Google the definition of selfish. Like I, I want to see like the dictionary because I think that's why it gets a bad rap, right? So selfish, lacking consideration for others, concerned chiefly with one's own personal profit or pleasure. I think that's such a simple definition of that word. I do not think that it's really the truth, actually. Um, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I don't either. Or maybe there's a better word for it, but it, it does. It, it's such a, it has such a negative connotation with it. And I... I think in certain cases, like it's better for someone to be selfish. And of course you could apply this to a lot of different situations. So like I'm talking in general, like life, not selfish in the fact that I'm going to eat all the food and no one else gets it. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. That if you aren't happy or if someone else isn't happy and it might not even be the other person, right? Like it might not even be if you're in a relationship that it's the other person's fault that you're not happy. It might be something about yourself that you're not able to do something that you want to do or that you're not just not in a healthy space when you're when you're in that relationship if you don't put yourself first and figure out what it is or even if you blame someone else for you being unhappy like i just think it's it doesn't like that's not going to fix anything you have to be a little bit selfish absolutely it's because you're going to emanate that happiness and that light to the other partner so i i found some synonyms which i love because I, I think the definition really is inaccurate and it's very, 
again, it's, it's, a, it's a dictionary definition, so it has to be very direct, but the synonyms are nice. So I'm picking out some synonyms to offer you, okay? So egocentric. Now, when we think about that, centered on the self, right? Like ego, egocentric. Mm-hmm. Centered on the, the ego, which ego itself gets a bad rap. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have an acronym for it to edge God out, but it, that, that's like when the ego is out of control. We, the ego never goes away, okay? So if the ego is calling to you, it's just saying that it needs some nurturing. If it gets out of control, then yes, you're an egomaniac and that's bad, right? Every, everything everything could be bad or it could be good, right? It's like vitamin C. You, you, like, <laughs> it could be good, but you can No, take- even too much water can be bad. I mean, exactly, everything can be bad. So yes, the next one I like, and this is fitting you, what you were saying, self-seeking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and you see, know. that could be... That could also be negative if someone self-seeking, like you're only out for yourself. But you could also think about it on the flip side, like you are seeking yourself. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, totally. That either way. Yeah, yeah, because you're you're looking to discover and ex, ex, in your case, expand or expand upon what you're feeling and what is this? What is this that I'm feeling inside? I need to seek more to learn about myself and to make this this new version of myself or maybe old version, which is now blossoming, make it grow. And that's, that's seeking, seeking new opportunities, seeking new experiences, seeking new ways of thinking, right? Like, I don't think that's selfish in a negative way, right? And I don't think that's hurting anybody. And if it does, if that hurts somebody that you're doing that, then it's not meant to be. Right, exactly. Yeah. So I, I'm glad. And that's so scary too, like to trust your, to just trust life to like take its own path is terrifying because we, I feel like we're taught not to do that. Like in, since we're kids, like we're taught not to, everything needs to be structured and everything needs to be, have this, you, you go to school, you do this, you graduate, you blah, 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 blah. You got a job and you move up and it's like, sometimes that's not the right path and that's, not very accepted. <laughs> and so that makes it harder too. It does. And everybody's different, right? But I think it comes to a point for many people where they finally say, I'm not happy. So my barometer of success is if I'm happy. And I'm not talking about two or three days where you're feeling a little blue or you're not 100% happy. Right, because of course everyone's not happy every day. It doesn't matter if you have, you're the most centered Zen yeah. Buddha on the planet. Like if you don't, it's, you're not going to be happy all the time. Like, of course. Right. So I think that's probably the best place where we can come from as a litmus test to say, how am I feeling? And to be aware, can I say that I'm happy? Minus, you know, people with depression and bipolar and if it's, if it's not being treated properly. But let's just talk about as a general, a generality. Are you happy more often than not? And if you truly can't answer that, I'm not saying to make a drastic decision the moment you come to that conclusion, but start investigating your life and what it is that's going on and then what it is that you would prefer. Move towards that, you know, like identify the problem. And once you got that, spend your rest of it. Like 10% problem, 90% solution. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the solution is to leave a situation. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that gets also a really negative connotation is like leaving a situation like there was, there has to be something seriously wrong. And 
I don't think that's true. And even like for in a relationship standpoint, it doesn't necessarily mean that one person is right and one person is wrong or whatever. It's just that whatever paths that those two people are going just might be completely different and there's no way to to bring it together. And that's life. Like that's sad and awful and terrible, but you have to like you I just I don't ever want to be stuck in a situation where I feel like I can't be myself to my best capacity because I'll just never be fully happy or I'll never be able to be fully happy. I'll never be able to have, I'll never be able to raise kids that are, you know, with like my full potential, you know what I mean? And so I think those things are just super important and it's not necessarily that you break up with someone and it's like, this person is an awful human being. Like that's not, that's usually not true. It's usually not true. It's usually just that life is taking you somewhere different and that's scary, but like that's life. <laughs> you know, and going back to your statement about, and you're not the only one that makes a statement, it's very common, about the way things are supposed to be, right? You're supposed to get married, maybe have a kid or two or three, and then, you know, the house, whatever it is in whoever's listening's world, that that's the norm. Every, you know, it's going to be different for people, what their quote unquote norm is, but everyone is opened or has experienced that idea of, well, this is the way it's supposed to be, so I need to follow this path. However, for that reason, because most people don't fit that or want that, many people who follow the norm are not happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think a lot of times people don't even know that they're not happy. Like, I think that I didn't, I wasn't even aware of that I, because I kind of, especially when I had like, a, when I was struggling with eating and all that stuff, I didn't even, I wasn't aware that I wasn't happy. And yeah. even though I, now know that I wasn't at all, but I, I wasn't aware of it at the moment because I think we can kind of like tell ourselves that, oh, well, that's just life. Like this is the way life is supposed to be and kind of like acclimate to that. Yeah. And I, and I think honestly, you know, building on that, it, happiness is going to change from person to person based on desires and fulfillment. But I think one thing that comes as at least on this show, that you would talk on my show, you would talk about is awareness. Awareness keeps coming up almost on every every episode. Is having this awareness, mm-hmm. and once you have the awareness that you're not happy, that's when you can start working towards what it is that you would like to change. If you don't have the awareness, you may not ever come to that change, and you may be unhappy and realize that you're unhappy, right? But you're going to think that that's just normal to be unhappy. There's people that go through their whole lives thinking that life is this way, and we're not supposed to be happy because life, you know, life is hard. Yeah. Life sucks, and right, and it's so that's sad. But it is bullshit, and I think that I, I don't think I ever really thought that a hundred percent, but kind of like I think it's just like, oh, life's a struggle, and. Sure. That's just like, that's just like such a terrible outlook and it's, but it's so common. Um, And I think that's because people aren't aware and I wasn't aware and I don't even know really how I became aware. I just kind of was really unhappy in, you know, just the way that my life was going. I felt like it was just kind of going in a cycle and I'm, I'm talking about like with the eating disorder and stuff. And I just, I wasn't able to do anything for myself or I don't know. And so I think that, and like I said, I wasn't even aware of that. So yeah, I would say 1000% that becoming aware of that. And that might be even as simple as just asking yourself, like really just sitting with yourself and being like, am I happy? 
you know, what, Absolutely. what could make me happier? What, what do I not like about my life? And, and then you can kind of slowly become more aware of what's actually going on. And I think from there, one of the best things that you can do to move forward and decide how to make changes is really look at what gives you pain and what gives you pleasure. And if what gives you pain and what gives you pleasure is not healthy, then you need to consider switching those up or making some changes in your thought process about what is. Like, like for example, when I was very heavy, what was giving me pleasure was to eat certain foods in certain portions that mm-hmm. you know, would make me feel good and give me pleasure for a certain period of time. But then I would have pain eventually in the way that my body felt physically and then you know, socially and, and, and also playing sports and not being able to move the way I moved and then going to the doctor, having some health issues. So I had to really decide when I did want to make the ultimate changes to, and I, I, I know your audience, I'm going to say this, I don't want to tr- trigger anyone by talking about numbers. So mm-hmm. I guess what I'm going to say is it's not so much about the amount of weight I lost. It, it, it was about deciding that when I would emotionally eat, because it felt that gave me quote unquote, ple- I'm, we're using two words, the carrot and the stick, pleasure and pain, because that would give me pleasure. When I finally decided that what would give me pleasure is discipline and it was pain, there was more pain after I would do what I was doing. And once I started wiring that into my brain, that's when true change happens. When we reassociate, yeah. rewire our brain to what is pleasure and what is pain. Yeah, exactly. And I think that, I mean, that example is so common for probably a lot of the listeners. Yeah. That was so common for me too. Like I had issues with binge eating and then I would feel terrible and then I would have to go exercise for whatever amount of hours. And then it was just like this ongoing cycle of there was a moment of like euphoria and then it was just a plummet down where it, like in reality, life shouldn't be that drastically up and down all the time. Yeah. Absolutely. We need the, the balance, which is something, you know, the yoga show. So, so the balance is the balance of the yin and the yang, right? Like the male and the female in, in my world. But yeah, being not too far in one direction, I think that's ultimately, or the Buddhists say the middle way. I think that, yes, we have moments where we might be wavering in one direction too much. But if we, again, if we're aware of it, we could catch it and take us back to the middle way. Because that's where, that's where all the good stuff is, I think. Yeah, I agree. I do agree. And of course, like obviously we said before, you're going to have days where you're less happy, days when you're more happy. Certain things happen and makes you excited more than other times. But if, and I think that was my life for a long time, was just like a constant up and down, up and down, like severe highs and severe lows. And that's, I mean, that's not sustainable. (laughs) Yeah, it's not sustainable and it's not healthy. One thing I wanted to talk about, which I hadn't planned on, but there's a documentary called Happy and it studies what makes people happy all over the world. Like, you know, in these like third world countries and, and in the more West, you know, industrial countries. And mm-hmm. it's very fascinating because different things make different people happy from all over the world. And it was very fulfilling to watch it because people that didn't really have a lot in terms of wealth and, and means, they were some of the happiest in the movie. And it's a documentary and it's probably still sitting around Netflix you can find on YouTube. But I did find a list of some of the things that happy people do differently. So I'm, I'm going to share these with, with both of our audiences and then yeah. maybe we can kind of vibe off that a little bit 
because you're going through a big change. And this is when you really want to cultivate these habits, these, again, awarenesses, (laughs) but expressing gratitude. You know, last night, Mary, my wife, was talking about some things and she was in, and and don't get me wrong, I'm guilty of it too, but she was in a circle of some negative talk. And I don't remember what it was about, but I interrupted her pattern and I just said, hey, Mary, what was good today? What are you grateful for? What happened today you're grateful for? Tell me that. Mm-hmm. It just changed, it changed the whole conversation. And I just did it to stop her. But it made her happy too just to do that. Yeah. We, we always have something to be grateful for. Yeah. And on this too, like before we get to, <laughs> before you continue on the list, I don't know if I've said this in my previous podcast, but something that was really eye-opening for me that's happened recently was with the really unfortunate suicides of Kate Spade and Anthony Bourdain that was in the same week. And I was just like, this is insane to me because these are people that most of the world would look at and think that they have everything and they're so happy. But it's so terrible to think that that's not true. Like having material things and having money and having the means to do certain things, that doesn't necessarily bring you happiness. And that's such a good lesson for everyone to learn. And for me too, because I think in past years, I've kind of been like, well, if I have these material things and I have this and I can do this, then like I'm just automatically going to be magically happy and everything's going to be great. And that's 1000% not true. And that was really eye-opening in those two situations. Absolutely. And it's just, you know, nobody says to be poor. Like wealth is not a bad thing, right? But it doesn't guarantee happiness. That's it. You know, just like the, the, the two are not correlated for real. I know people are rolling their eyes. I mean, of course, yes. Does it make your life easier? <laughs> like, yeah, but does it make you happy? That's different. You know, I heard someone say this, and I don't know if you've heard this, but what I was told, and I love it because I think it's true, that money magnifies whatever kind of person you are. If you're a real asshole, money's going to make you more of an asshole. If, you, if you're a kind and caring person, the money's going to give you the means to become more kind and caring and incorporate that into your life and lives of others. I believe that, and I'm okay with that. The second thing here is to cultivate optimism. Okay, I am guilty at times of looking at the glass half empty. I'm not, I can't just always pretend that the glass is half full. Mm -hmm. However, I will say that it is a good habit when you are in a rut to be optimistic, to find what you can be optimistic about. Optimism is contagious, you know, and you will attract the people and the situations that make you happy by being, look, you don't have to be fake, but you can, you can find a way to be optimistic. Maybe you have to search a little harder at times, but you can, I, I, trust me, if I can, you can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Agreed. So, Agreed. And that's kind of easier said than done too, but it's just, again, of course. of it. Of course. Avoid overthinking and social comparison. My God. Yeah, that's a big one. Oh, I am the master of overthinking. Like 1000%. That is something I still struggle with. I overthink everything. And do you find yourself comparing yourself to others? Not, not as much anymore. I think before, yes, a lot. I don't really... That's gotten a lot better, but still overthinking every single... Like overthinking the way that people react to certain things or my actions is something that I constantly am working on. I struggle with that too, but I will say because the awareness of it uh, surfaced, I made an effort to work on it. 
And again, it's not easy, but I can tell you with all honesty that there's been times where I was in that circular thinking and it doesn't serve me or who's around me to be in that way, that pattern of thinking, overthinking, where I said, I really make an effort now to focus on, I did everything I can, now what can I control and what is it that I can't control? If I can't control it, I need, it's not easy, but I need to let that go. Cause that's where the overthinking is. It's on all the things I can't control. Mm-hmm. That might be getting up and moving myself. Uh, motion changes your emotions. So how you move changes how you feel. So I could just be getting up and like doing like some, you know, I may jog or do some yoga, but it gets me out of that place. I'm breaking, mm-hmm. I'm breaking my own pattern, you know? So I'm, I'm not going to read the whole list. I'm just going to do two more. I think that's, um, I, I would just want to <laughs> say that I think breaking your own pattern, and I used to say this in all the previous episodes too about like with, with eating disorder patterns, you can apply that to anything in life too. Like breaking a pattern and doing something that you are used to doing and not doing that is one of the absolute best ways to change something. Because yes, of course you change, you're, not, you're breaking a pattern, so it's a change. But when you break a pattern, you realize that either you realize, oh, this is actually the better way to do it. Or, oh, I broke this pattern and nothing terrible happened to me. And that kind of gives you like an ease of mind that it's okay to make changes. I like that. I like that. That's so important. Yeah. The next one, and then I'll just do one more afterwards for the sake of uh, keeping your <laughs> listeners. Uh, your listeners have lives. I'm sure they're like, hey, I got to get into work right now. I got to, because how long is this, this episode? Uh, and mine too. They have lives too, as far as I know. Uh, just kidding. Okay. Uh, practice acts of kindness. This, this has been a huge one for me, where if you take the emphasis off of yourself, now, I know we talked about the whole selfish thing and self-love, and I, I do believe everything that we said there. But at the same time, I also think that something that can make us feel so good is to not be kind because it looks good and we're going to boast about it, but truly do something that is kind. And that could just be holding the door open for somebody mm-hmm. and waiting for them to cut. Like the simplest thing. I'm telling you, I don't know. It makes me feel good because it makes me feel like I count and that I contributed in some way, shape, or form. As stupid and small as that seems, the opening of the door could change my day if I'm if I'm a little off that day or I'm feeling like, oh, you know, what what is all this? I'm feeling down. But it, it's that connection, you know, and the kindness that you can offer people. That's free. We can always do that. Kindness doesn't have to cost a lot of money. No, it's exactly like you said. It can be as simple as holding the door for someone that's coming or even just talking to someone. I mean, like small talk, like someone passes you and is like, hi, and just being friendly back to them, that can make a big difference in their day and you don't even know. Especially in the world that we live in where I love social media because to me, it's you know opened up a lot of doors in terms of networking and business and also just learning about people from all over. It's fascinating to me. So at the same time, we have less in-person interaction. I think those, there's still something very special about those. And when we have those opportunities, we can choose to be kind. We could also send out the kind email or the kind message, which, you know what? And it means more when it's not expected. Mm-hmm. You know, so we can all do it when it, when it counts, I agree. you know, or when it shows but I bet you it's a good idea even to take into your endeavors and your business or your, your life. Mm-hmm. Don't just like thank people right after. You know what I mean? Like, like 
what about six months from then? You know, when they're not expecting and be like, Hey, remember that time we got together? I just, I was reflecting on that. I just really want to thank you again for that. And that person will be like, Holy crap. That's so cool. Like, yeah. Or even like now, even now, like, and I can, kind of relate to that where, like I said before, my friends and family have been helping me a lot. And of course, like I have so many emotions and I'm trying to, I'm like kind of dumping it on them and, and kind of expecting, not expecting, but, but having them help me and, and listen to me and just to be like taking a break from that and just saying like, thank you for listening to me is, I think is really important. It's kind of funny because the last one I was going to bring up from the list I have is nurture social relationships. So the happiest people on the planet are the ones who have deep, meaningful relationships. And I don't think that they need to be many in terms of number, but they need to be meaningful mm-hmm. in terms of presence. You know, So it, it makes all the sense in the world that you are feeling this catharsis, this, this feeling of your heart being full and this, this feeling of appreciation for these people that are there for you. Yeah. You know? Definitely. So, Ooh. yeah, that was a lot, but I think we tackled it. That was so long. Yeah, that was good. So, Shelby Schlang, I'm so proud of you and happy because I love podcasting and you took to it so well and you actually enjoy it, which makes me so happy. You and, do. And you're consistent. When people ask me what's the one thing about podcasting that you need in order to be successful, and I use successful in parentheses because successful podcasting doesn't mean that your show goes viral. In some cases, it could be that you have a niche or a niche and that you serve that that market so well. So success for podcasts are all different meanings. So, But the thing is, no matter what it is, whether you want it to go viral and be the biggest podcast ever, or you want to serve a certain audience and maximize and set goals for what you want from those particular stream of people, consistency. You can't do a podcast for like two weeks and be like, that's it. It's not working. I don't <laughs> like there's people that think that and I'm not knocking them, but I'm saying that, you know, you've stuck with it and I don't even, I'm not even sure. I, I've never even had to have this conversation with you, but I had to have it with other clients that I've worked with in the past. And I'm just very direct. This is a slow process and it's one that you must be consistent with mm-hmm. because people will be intimately connected with you. But what happens if you disappear and you didn't really, because someone didn't leave that review, but that person still felt that way, right? Or those listeners felt that way. You got to believe in what you're Mm -hmm. doing and go from there. And then all of a sudden you will receive those reviews like your show's addictive or I feel really like they'll start just comment. You're like, I I forgot I even said that. And people like, that's the fruits, uh, uh, you know, and more that come, but you have to be consistent. So thank you for being, you know, as someone whose show I edit, you know, thank you for being consistent because I know you have a good show and, and that you're passionate about it and that you are connecting with people. But if you were to just let it go early, I would have been upset really for you and for the people that you're helping. So keep, keep doing what you're doing, living over losing. Thank you. Shelby with Shelby Schlang. And it's been my pleasure to have you on the Yoga Talk Pod. Thank you so much. <laughs> All right, Shelby. I think we both need a break from talking just to breathe for ourselves. I do. I agree. <laughs> All right, Shelby. Always a pleasure. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. Yoga Talk Pod with 
Hey, it's Andrew, and we would love if you become part of the new Yoga Talk Pod Squad. Just go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Yoga Talk Pod. 30% discount on all of our merchandise that we will have up in our shop, which is in the process of being built. We will give you, and this I can guarantee, access to premium episodes every single week. So that means... This week, we'll do a special vlogcast for being part of the Yoga Talk Pod Squad. It's our way of saying thank you by clicking on the Patreon page, which takes you to Yoga Talk Pod Squad. We look forward to meeting you there.